0: Hello, and welcome along to another edition of the Sport Goals Podcast. And joining me this week is not Ryan Sheng, who is on a Japanese sojourn, but it is uh, Box Hill's Chief Junior Futsal Analyst and Whitehorse Midfield General, Guy Tiffany. Thanks for joining me, Guy.
1: Thanks, Josh. Good to be here.
0: (laughs) All right, so uh, we have so much to cover today. The FA Cup, the Europa League, the Champions League Final, and of course, Aaron Moy, uh, Australia's new media sensation, uh, getting promoted to the Premier League.
1: Yeah, there's certainly been at least a few Fox Sports articles. About Aaron, right? <laughs> it does it, seem to garner quite a lot of interest in Australian
0: media. I'm not sure if it's just Facebook's algorithm, like just is targeting it straight at me or if it's just saturated coverage. But um...
1: Well, I mean, it's interesting because probably we haven't had, Australia hasn't had a player, I, I don't think we've had a player in England who's really done impressive stuff for a while.
0: Not really since like, Tim like Cahill. Who's even...
1: Who is even there at the moment, I guess? Mark Schwarzer. technically, he played in the Champions <laughs> League semi final.
0: Uh, Two Premier League winners medals for Mark Schwarzer. Well, did
1: he actually get them, though? Because there's he a didn't... rule. Oh, uh, I th- uh, because I know Asmir Begovic, he got a medal. He met whatever, like, the game criteria was. And he was like, no, I don't want the medal <laughs> <laughs> because I don't deserve it. Like, it, it, he felt kind of, like, slighted that he was getting this medal. Like, he, was, he wasn't even part of it.
0: Yeah, that's um that's a good question. I know in Spain they just basically give you a bunch of medals and you just give them out to wherever. Well, that's pretty much what we do at junior futsal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have many things in common with all year in terms yeah. of organizational skills. You know, um, Madrid a couple of weeks ago when they they won the league title did not have the trophy there to lift yeah, on the final I, day. I heard about that just because of the absolute mismanagement of Spanish football. It's, it's astonishing some of the things that go on i mean they don't have goal line technology there's always spats between the the association and the league um heads and just it's bizarre that something that you know all the world's eyes are upon yeah. in terms of the best players yeah. in the world it's, you would think that's the sort of thing they would organize for madrid
1: though hmm. like you would feel like if someone else won it that sort of maybe delay it maybe <laughs> not even give it out But I sort of would have felt Madrid would have got, like, the cosy ride.
0: The special treatment. (laughs) Apparently not. Apparently not. But uh, let's start with uh, Arsenal's unexpected FA Cup triumph. Uh, They were shorthanded, missing Koscielny due to a pretty brainless red card on the last day of the
1: season. Well, it was amazing, really. This result, I think, is a huge surprise. Because not only did... I think if Koscielny was fit, if Gabriel was fit... So mm. he, he missed out as well. Yeah, he did his
0: ACL or something in the last right. game as well. It was pretty nasty. And Mustafi was also unavailable. Yeah, he's concussed, I believe. But I think if,
1: if those three were available, Arsenal still would have gone in huge underdogs. And I think there would have been very little confidence that they could beat Chelsea mm. and that that defence would be good enough. Um, so I thought before the game that lacking these defenders would possibly force Wenger to play four at the back rather than the 3-5-2 <laughs> Which yeah. obviously requires the extra central defender.
0: Yeah, he he switched to the the invoke kind of three four two one. Yeah, well, so I see. guess it's
1: sort of cancelled, uh, sort of cancelled Chelsea out. It's, both teams are playing the same shape.
0: Yeah, um, it seems... I wasn't super convinced when Wenger changed that formation. It seemed like they got a few really really fortunate results yeah. against Leicester against Middlesbrough. Yeah. and I felt it actually like not made them better on the defensive or the attacking end, but it seems to be falling into place for them now and giving Ozil and Sanchez a bit more freedom to to go forward and do what they do.
1: Yeah, I think that one of the key
0: things is that I think
1: the overlapping fullback has always been really key for Arsenal, Mm. and that element still sort of exists. You just have an extra player back as well. Uh, in the
0: 3 5 2. That, that I mean, extra three, play. Four, three. That extra playing being Per Mersaka. Well, exactly.
1: I mean, this it's a huge moment in football history, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> the performance of Per zaka it just couldn't be more surprising. He played a grand total of what? 37, 37 minutes. 37
0: minutes all season. And he
1: also never played in a back three before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> live. And. Like, I don't know, for how many years has it just sort of been known that Per Murtazaka is too slow and, like, this is a huge problem for Arsenal and that has, like, influenced the, the way they've been forced to defend for a long time?
0: I'm sure Arsenal fans were having premonitions of his wide turning circle yeah, but and I mean, fouling Diego Costa for I, a red
1: card. I guess, like, for a game, would it have been possible for him to get, like, did he get slower? <laughs> Has he been slower? He only played 37 minutes. He's pretty old now. Well, he's actually probably not as old as I think some people would think he is. Mm. he just has the
0: not as old as his mm. place has suggested no he just has an old look about him (laughs) just lumbering BFG Um, just
1: a sort of German librarian (laughs) or slash academic (laughs) but uh, he was pretty effective Ah, he was was fantastic I don't think he made an error it was a superb performance and and genuinely against like a a really top notch attack and like an attack which has like sort of varied facets Mm. to it like the bullocking of Costa and then like the kind of um, agility of Hazard and Pedro.
0: Mm. And uh, Pedro's real tactical awareness, be able to get into the box and support him. And Yeah, yeah. Um, Chelsea were pretty, looked pretty sluggish, pretty yeah. pointed, and they weren't helped by conceding a goal after like, four minutes with a pretty obvious handball, I thought, from Sanchez.
1: Yeah, okay. I, I didn't actually necessarily see it that All way. Right. And I definitely felt at the time that the goal should have
0: stood. I, I wasn't. Um, there, there was an appeal for offside as well, but Sanchez um, managed to. To get there first, and, and yeah, so I think that I think it was, it was possibly
1: Ramsey who was in yeah, the, was sort, of, sort of in the way of Courtois, but I don't think there was interference no. as such. No.
0: And the the rule kind of states that you have to be either interfering with an opponent or attempting to, to play the ball. To play the ball, yeah, and, that's right. And
1: I don't think he, I don't think he did
0: either. Yeah, but I, I felt that Sanchez's arms they were above his head when the
1: yeah, I thought it hit his chest,
0: but. Really, I, I I thought that was contact with the arms, but um, yeah, okay. you know. no, that seems to be the consensus. Like that's what that's what people seem to think. I it was certainly
1: I genuinely thought it was chest, mm. so I was surprised that there's been like sort of unanimity in mm. people thinking that it should have been uh, should have been rubbed off. But certainly the defending was poor in that incident. Like I think that it, although it was sort of it was one of those moments when there was only one player sort of in that area who yeah. had any momentum alive to the day. and as it was well. Sanchez. Everyone else was. Like, not even it was one of those sort of almost undefendable things that everyone else, for whatever reason, was flat-footed and that just gave them no chance.
0: And it's sort of symbolic of the, the game up until that point and, you know, in that sort of opening 25, 30 minutes, Arsenal was so much more switched on than Chelsea were. Um, they yeah. looked really lively and were moving the ball really confidently. And, you know, Arsenal seem to have these performances in them at times but just haven't been as consistent. Yeah, it's, as you would like. It is
1: interesting. I just thought that the midfield sort of wouldn't be able to live with Chelsea's attack sort of and the midfield play. But in the end, I think that what has sort of Chelsea have had problems this season with Kante and Matic. Like, obviously, that's also been the midfield pivot that has won them the league in many ways. But I think that is probably, it's. I don't think it's a, a good partnership going forward. I think Kante is obviously a superb uh, runner and a superb He's a superb footballer. He's an incredible player. But, like, but Matic, is, Matic is sort of like a, a slightly pared-back Kante. Like, he's mm. obviously he's bigger and, and larger, but I don't think he provides the sort of passing that Kante would probably want to play with because Kante is obviously the sort of player mm. who just wants to play He wants to play the ball sideways and, uh, when he gets it. Or, you know, he, he does play the ball forward, but he's, he, it's sort of, it's relatively simplistic passing. Yeah. And I think they just didn't have the invention in
0: there. Yeah, they eventually brought on Fabregas, but um, probably too little too late in the end. Yeah, Um, yeah. After they they went down to 10 men, was a pretty... (laughs) Blatant dive from Victor Moses.
1: Yeah, it was a shame at that sort of moment in the game, wasn't it, for for him to
0: go off. But it was it was excellent refereeing, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you got to be if you're going to try and get away with that, you have to have the the player in between you and the referee, the defender. And he just he was on the wrong side, and, and the, yeah, yeah, The referee saw it very clearly. It was... I, I don't know. That sometimes I
1: feel I think reputation can uh, can. Be really important in those sort of diving moments. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I can't remember if Moses ever being involved in anything like that before. No, it's and, not and, something and that he, I've. He, I, I sort of. I feel like he's quite a sporting sort of a player, and like has tend to be fairly highly regarded as a mm. professional. So it's good though to see those sort of decisions not go sort of on a reputational basis sometimes. Yeah, because uh, I feel like you know players are just sort of are considered divers. Some players are considered hacks and because of those reputations they sort of they get treated in a certain way
0: well he was he was given an open invitation to to go down in the semi-final against spurs and maybe he was trying to repeat the okay. trick but yeah, right. um with young min son's tackle but uh oh, yeah, the arsenal true, player yeah. managed to pull out of it well in advance and um, yeah i think
1: it was monreal <laughs> yeah uh, monreal i enjoyed his performance so much he yeah. uh he loves to gesticulate uh, <laughs> nacho and he's just he, he just has he just has such a passionate sort of face <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like a boyish sort of face, but, like, it's just, he's quite an emotional character. Yeah. And he does everything with a lot of purpose, like...
0: And playing on the left side of that back three, I was initially sceptical of his ability to do that, but he seems to have no, adapted pretty terrific. well. He's terrific.
1: I think he. I think he's an excellent footballer. Arsenal's that, answer to Aspilicueta. Yeah, yeah, in a, in a way, yeah. I think that that left sided centre back role does suit him, but I also think he's. A, I, I think he's actually a good left wing back as well. Mm. He doesn't have outstanding pace, but he's a very smart footballer.
0: He showed that yeah. in the the semi final against. Yeah, league.
1: he scored. He scored. I think it was maybe the equalising.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was That's a fantastic goal. goal. Yeah. And Arsenal were forced to play uh, with Giroud Gibbs out as well. They were forced to play Alex yeah, so Oxlade-Chamberlain on the left. Side. I didn't
1: feel like he had a huge influence on the game. I thought Bellerin was excellent. Mm. But to have those options plus Gibbs to play wing-back, it probably just sort of shows that they're doing the right thing mm-hmm. uh, in playing that formation. Because I think those three plus even Montreal are all excellent options at, at wing-back.
0: And they've, they've signed another left-back Yeah, uh, Schalke, is it? Yeah, uh, Sijad Yes, I think. Uh, um, I can tell you he's a big lad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if he's been signed to play the left-wing back or the left-side centre-back role. Yeah. Probably in need of, an, of another option.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, perhaps he will be. Perhaps he will be more of a... Yeah. First, you have to sort of wonder whether or not
0: Wenger's going to continue with his formation.
1: I mean, I, I think it's quite a strong chance that they will.
0: Yeah, if they hold on to all of their... Um, yeah, now yeah. free agents. <laughs> well, they have
1: seemed they do have a bit of a problem with letting players run their contracts down mm-hmm. and going to City usually. Yeah, uh, Oxlade Chamberlain. I think obviously the attention's been on Sanchez and Ozil, but I think that there'll be, though I think this summer there'll be this European summer, there'll be a lot of talk about Oxlade Chamberlain as well.
0: Yeah, he's been the player I think he's benefited most from the formation he has, change. Yeah, he he yeah. instantly, instantly yeah. slotted into so that. To be honest, I don't
1: think he's a very good right winger at all no uh, I, no not really he's not always that inventive he's a bit predictable no. but when he when he's playing slightly deeper and you've got more space to break into yeah, he's yeah. more effective player yeah well i've actually heard that um he played a lot of rugby as as a kid and i think even you can see in the way that he plays yeah. he has this sort of instinct that when he gets the ball he just runs forward straight and he, yeah and he's happy to just run straight at people or, and then just like dish a little sort of like sideways ball or sort of go around the man He does have that build he, he does, does. wing yeah being yeah.
0: yeah. winger. I'm not
1: going to pretend I know anything about rugby. <laughs> <right. laughs> no, well, I don't either. I think I just know that the premise is sort of
0: running out of people who are going to tackle you, and then passing sideways. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's so. Um, yeah, that's our state of origin rap uh, done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Wenger signing a new two-year deal. Uh, yeah, not to the delight of of many an Arsenal fan. TV. Wow. Oh, and it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I
1: thought you were going to leave it at Arsenal fans and. Maybe Um, that would have given way to an interesting discussion about whether or not.
0: Well, yeah, I don't know. What What do you think? Like about him staying on for? I mean, it has to be a two year contract because if he signs a a one year deal, then he just gets the question every every press conference about whether he's sticking around. But um, you know, not not bringing in a director of football, not really delegating any more responsibility. Well. It is his comments about the director of football role were pretty were, were entertaining. I
1: don't know. Did you hear when he was being faced with some of these questions about whether Arsenal might consider having a director of football? He said, uh, "I don't know what a director of football is or does. <laughs> Do they stand in the middle of the pitch and direct the play?" <laughs> I um, mean,
0: Arsenal could probably use someone like that, to be honest. Yeah, I think he might have been feigning a bit of ignorance. There. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine he's not familiar with the concept. <laughs> but but then by the same token.
1: I've also heard he doesn't take training, apparently. Mm. So, he doesn't... What does he actually do Mm. is an interesting question. Like, obviously, he does the transfers and he does the scout. He does some scouting and stuff like that. But if he doesn't take training, I, I sort of wonder what he's doing other than just sort of tactical analysis.
0: I think he lounges around writing philosophical treatises. and Well, I mean, yeah, you would think
1: so. But then apparently he's so obsessed with football, like he doesn't really have a life outside of it.
0: Yeah, he's probably a bit standoffish in terms of yeah. the way he deals with things. Maybe let's Steve Bold and the other coaches do the day-to-day stuff. So maybe in his mind, he sort of already is the director of football.
1: Well, I think that's, I guess that's right. But it, it's kind of amusing that, um, that I think the director of football role has often sort of been derided in England mm. because it's seen as like a continental thing. But I think almost all Premier League clubs now operate in that way. But Wenger, who was one of the first successful continental coaches in in England, is this has this like anti director football stance. Mm. It's quite interesting. That's interesting.
0: None of that foreign muck for Arsenal. No, <laughs> none at all. For Arsenal, such a. What a... <laughs> Such a hard
1: nosed English club, aren't they? Yeah, but what I think uh, we should say: see, he's won seven FA Cups.
0: That's astonishing.
1: That is the record of a legend. Mm. I don't think that is tarnishable.
0: No, I mean the last triumph, or the last two triumphs, have been against maybe lesser opposition. But you can't really argue with the run they've had. I suppose they did get drawn against two uh, non-league sides. It but is that true. comes with its own challenges. But the FA Cup should be. It is valuable. And it
1: should be considered to be valuable because there's multiple teams that play in the Premier League, and only one of them can win it if yeah. you can't win it, the next best should be to win this to win the next most important trophy, and he's managed to do that on a number of times,
0: yeah, I think it maybe isn't valued as much as it used to be because i think in england it used to be and indeed in australia it used to be one of the only live football matches on yeah, yeah. so it kind of occupied a special cultural but I think, place yeah certain sort of romantic value as well because every club mm. in england
1: participates
0: yeah and it's the oldest club competition in the world but i think perhaps one of the main
1: reasons its value has decreased is because the financial incentives for finishing high in the premier league and the champion, and in the Champions League, is so great.
0: And they outweigh it.
1: Yeah, so I think it is an important achievement. Uh, and football, I think there's a point that's like is quite often made that I quite like, That is that football is about glory. It's yeah. not about finishing third or fourth to qualify for the Champions League, to increase your revenue, and to get to play against some fancy other teams from Europe. It's about having great moments as a club by winning throwbacks.
0: Yeah, it's no, nothing to do with financial stability and finishing fourth every year. <laughs> that's, no, not, that's not so, what Arsenal stand so for. <laughs> I
1: just think, and I think it's amusing, Mourinho has actually sort of made this point quite well, but possibly for his own purposes more than because he actually believes in it. But he, Mourinho has made the point this season that winning the Europa League as a way to qualify for the Champions League is fantastic, even if they, it's better than finishing in the top four. Yeah, because they they won a, uh, They won a trophy, and that is what football is about.
0: Well, let's let's move on, I guess, to the, to the Europa League. Um, Mourinho uh, quite clear in his assertion that they've won three trophies this season, <laughs> uh, whereas uh, Wayne Rooney was a little off message saying that they were. Um, what? They only won two. So did he? <laughs> yeah.
1: Was, was he intentionally ignoring? The, no, I think the, it, was po- he was the, it was just in the
0: post-game comments. Yeah. Um, he was just, you know, being honest, um, but very off off message, whereas, you know, the likes of Ander Herrera, ever Mourinho's lieutenant. Well, um... Herrera
1: <laughs> really come sort of through as a shining United sort of character, hasn't he? He's yeah, I think player. he's a future captain. He's sort of got that these sort of the kiss the badge sort of make a dirty tackle at the appropriate time sort of, <laughs> sort of character, isn't he?
0: Yeah, I mean he's not, you know, maybe what you'd think of in the Roy Keane mold. But well yeah, he's slightly but he's becoming... more sort of creening <laughs> that
1: but, but he genuinely has some of those attributes as well.
0: Yeah, and he's so consistent. He's been maybe United's most consistent performer this season and showed again in the uh, in the Europa League final. Yeah. You know, it was a it was a classic Mourinho. Cup performance. So you compared it in the post-game to the uh, the Inter Milan Bayern Munich Champions League final in 2010, which I think was pretty accurate comparison, although against far inferior opposition. Yeah, which is very similar game plan. Just. A- Willing to absorb pressure, let the uh, opponent dominate possession, but does not have any significant, you know, penetration. And uh, Pogba playing playing the sort of Lampard role with a deflected goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and Ajax very young, inexperienced side were unable to to cope with the the, the low yeah. block and the deep. Yeah. Defensive organisation.
1: I guess it was sort of an exciting rise, being Ajax, mm. particularly having this reputation for. Uh, Promoting youth and playing really exciting football kind of propelled Mm. their this team to like being more exciting than they actually were threatening. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they didn't win the they didn't win the Dutch
0: league. No, for a start. I mean, they, they had a you know seventeen-year-old playing it. Is that um delight? Delight. I prefer Dilid. to pronounce it delight, but Dilid. I think it well, is delight. Sure, <laughs> sure sure that was the commentator <laughs> yeah. was saying in the first kind of twenty minutes before he switched over. Um, only play really impressed me from Ajax was I think Bertrand Traore. Yeah, he's right. actually so a Chelsea, Chelsea Chelsea player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he'll probably as, never as, play. As we all are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we've all been on the books of Chelsea at some point. Um, he'll probably never play a game for them, to my um, great relief. But they're much. Haunted, uh Casper Dolberg failed to make an impact. He was their top scorer and um, just completely shut down. I uh, um, quite like
1: the left winger, I think, Amin Yunus.
0: Yeah. He, uh, he's just one of those players
1: who is really small and he runs in a very, like he's fast, but he looks like he's running incredibly fast because everything is moving, like really fast. <laughs> but he's sort of not actually covering that much ground because he's so small. But he's sort of one of those players who like can be re- like almost the messy. Like he sort of takes half steps where other where the defenders might be taking full steps. It's kind of doing the road runner kind. Of. Yeah, yeah. So I, I <laughs> like him. He seems. I think he's a, he's also a good prospect. Yeah. So they certainly were a good team. But you, I, I don't know. Maybe unless you're a United fan, which I, I believe you are, yeah. Josh, probably you're probably not likely to be sort of talking too much about this cup final uh, for a long time. Well I mean in
0: it was a good moment for United. I mean they or well, anyone yeah, I them. think it elevated their season um from very underwhelming to acceptable in terms of the fact that they, um, they qualified for the Champions League automatically. Yeah. Like that. So it's, it's as good as finishing third in the Premier League from that perspective. Agreed, I, yeah. I didn't agree with the way Mourinho threw away the league um, with his, not just his selections, but his tactics. Yeah. But I guess it paid off in the end. It's, it's almost like no manager has ever
1: been asked to play multiple games. <laughs> like Mourinho is the first manager who's
0: ever been asked to play twice a week. He was, he was whining about them having nine games in April, which is about yeah. the same as Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, uh, Juventus. Yeah. So it's almost as if being a successful European mm-hmm. team demands you play not, yeah, like, more yeah, games yeah, towards yeah. the end of the season. <laughs> and, you know, United have such an amazing squad, even with all the injury problems that they had, especially in the back line. They've got a really really deep squad. Um
1: I agree. I think the squad is 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 better than yeah. uh, than people think because of the way Mourinho has 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 made them play.
0: And yeah, I agree and I I don't think it's really going to change. I mean, he's probably just going to try and do exactly the same thing, uh hopefully with better players. I mean, Griezmann has been talked about that looks more in, um, less and um less likely now, but they're obviously going to splash money in the summer and 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 try and do the same thing and just be more efficient about it but um i don't think marina really he he sees the opposition as a problem to be solved rather than trying to play his own football he's a very reactive coach and that's what he's always done and that's he's not going to change now yeah i think that's, that's been consistent but i think why it's interesting
1: is because i think united fans uh have been disappointed with how the team has played this season even when they've won i think that they've Perhaps maybe maybe just felt a slight improvement on the Van Gaal uh, way, just because Van Gaal's games oh, played so slowly. I'd
0: say more than a slight okay.
1: improvement. Yeah, yeah, okay, fair <laughs> enough. But at the same time, I think probably the problem has been in big games when United, where, when Mourinho has been so happy to be on the back foot in basically mm-hmm. all games against sort of anyone in the, in the top five or six. And I I felt like there's been this underlying sort of uh, justification, which is Mourinho was always going to turn around and sort of say, "I haven't got all of my players yet. Like the squad isn't isn't what I wanted to be yet." Mm. And there's this sort of you almost managers almost seem to get like maybe two transfer windows or something before they're judged sort of at a mm. at, a, at a, as harshly as they're going to be.
0: He is a master manager of expectations, yeah. if not yeah, um, yeah, a manager of you know. Attacking football or being able to really organise an attack in any way. I mean, it, it was so negative. I mean, you think of the games away to Arsenal, away to Liverpool, just playing basically a back six. Yeah,
1: that one away to Liverpool sort of sticks in the mind because mm-hmm. they got the nil nil in that game, didn't they? So it mm-hmm. sort of it was a good result, especially in a really tough period. Yeah, but and it, Liverpool being really good form at that yeah. time, I guess. But it didn't feel right. It's not. Well, and it's not a sustainable way to play, um, because as you say. Teams are gonna uh, teams who are you know concerned with their attacking play are going to work out how to play against this United six man defence, mm. and these the innovators sort of I, I think will will win.
0: Yeah, the only real like crowning achievement in a big game, you know, it, if you're, even the nil nils, you know, away to City and stuff. Mm-hmm. Very, incredibly underwhelming in how um, this distinct lack of ambition, the full-backs being forbidden from going forward. I mean, the, the game against Chelsea was a major achievement, but that's because they got an early goal. Yeah. Um, and they, they set up with a sort of a different system and, and the, a specific plan. the Herrera man-marking of Hazard was sort of,
1: at that point, hadn't necessarily been tried to that extent. Yeah. And Hazard just didn't deal with it, uh, and Chelsea just didn't deal with it. Yeah,
0: they tried, tried it with, I think, Phil Jones in the FA Cup game and then uh, and then Herrera, and then Herrera end up getting sent off.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But I, and I think you also sort of, there's this feeling that, okay, so United need
1: to sign more sort of attacking players, better attacking players to make them play better going forward. But isn't Mourinho just going to fall out with them? <laughs> like yeah. once they get an injury or <laughs> like... Or miss a chance or, you know, yeah. get frustrated with the style of football. <laughs> I think people have already forgotten that Martial was sort of like, was, was superb in his yeah. first season at the club.
0: He was—he was, he was the second coming of whatever, yeah. uh, you know. But it, it was just a shining light during the uh, the very dull Van Hall period. At least there's a sort of, in terms of the the Van Hall era, that was the most frustrating because United had so much of the ball, and yet they were so slow yeah. and so yeah. ponderous and just lacking in ideas. Whereas now, at least there's a kind of a kind of spirit to it, a swagger, a tenacity about the way United play that is. And they actually go forward quickly when they win the ball at times, yeah. which is a bit more satisfying to watch. But it's still not really what you should be expecting if you're know, as one of the biggest clubs in the world, the richest club in the world.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think Mkhitaryan has had a really strange season mm. because he he obviously had this. Uh, no one knew what was going on at the start. He just wouldn't get near the team. Yeah, and then he sort of had a. Br- then he was sort of superb for about a month or so. And his form fell badly again, and I think he was sort of out of the team at times.
0: Yeah, he got some injuries, but um, yeah. yeah, it was weird at the start of the year. with He just couldn't get a look in, and then they, he got an injury away on international duty, and then he came back for the Manchester derby and started that game and then was substituted at halftime for his poor performance. And I think Marina yeah. didn't really give, put him in the best position to succeed.
1: And then this sort of slightly painful sort of excuse was trotted out that he needed to acclimatise to English (laughs) football. So, like, the best way to do that was not to play any English football. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, and Mourinho is just a classic sort of media management sort of thing that he does. It's absurd to think that uh, a player as good as Mkhitaryan can't come in and play regularly when he arrives in England mm. and that Jesse Lingard or whoever... I mean, that's probably unfair because I think Jesse Lingard probably gets a huge amount of stick from United fans because he gets played so much.
0: Yeah, I um, don't mind yeah. him. I, I like having academy players in the team just for because of the history of the club. I think he's a situational player. I've said that before. I think he's better in the sort of big away games. I think he works so hard, but yeah. I find his decision-making frustrating.
1: Yeah, so I think uh, the sort of basic principle is that Mkhitaryan is a great footballer, and I don't believe he needed like a month sort of, yeah. sort of just training on his own or whatever <laughs> he was doing in order to be able to play English football, yeah, as yeah. if it's sort of some uh, some completely unique thing that uh, that you know no other games in Europe could resemble.
0: I mean, the Bundesliga is probably the most similar stylistically to the Yeah, I think a lot
1: of people would say that. he's He's been playing for Dortmund for, for five years <laughs> the or The most whatever. sort of like, intense like, pressing, yeah.
0: counter-attacking yeah. unit yeah. in world football. What do what you sort of want him to get used to? To, to watching long balls <laughs> or something like... Yeah, he needs to learn he's... to play it, play it to Fellaini's chest. That's what he's... Yeah, but anyway, you know, United... They got away with it. Uh, a, a league cup, a a Europa League, and a Community Shield is. I mean, you know, uh,
1: the, this is another classic bit of Mourinho media magic sort of work. Was the claiming the the treble on this one and <laughs> doing the sort of saw sort of this this video of him encouraged like G-ing the players up to hold three fingers in the air like, <laughs> to celebrate the treble. And when he won the, when they won the
0: Community Shield, he said this isn't my trophy. Like, this is Van Halen's trophy. Like, it's just incredible. (laughs) Well, that was before the season had gone so south in the Premier League. He was expecting, uh, I think, a lot more. He didn't didn't expect to have to take credit for that one. (laughs) I mean, you know, he said it himself. Apparently, poets don't win many titles. Um... (laughs) Yeah, well, I would have to personally disagree with that. Eric Cantona
1: is probably the most famous poetic footballer ever for that thing he said about the dubs.
0: Mm. I can't remember what it was, but it definitely (laughs) involved dubs. (laughs) It was definitely an iambic pentameter. I think it was, like, after he got
1: the ban for karate kicking the fan. He then (laughs) said the thing about the dubs. And... like it might, no, it was the seagulls maybe it was like oh when the trawler yeah, it, was, it was something about a trawler yeah, and seagulls yeah. the
0: seagulls follow the trawler because they think they're going to be fanned or something yeah yeah it's very cryptic
1: <laughs> so anyway i think cantona you, I, I think the point is you can be a poet and a winner
0: yeah i mean you look at the i mean more obviously the recent example of, of guardiola's barcelona and other you know there's been plenty of the sides who've, who've been the protagonist in games, who've played proactive football and and won plenty of championships. So I mean, maybe it's it's definitely not the only way, but it's probably the only way Mourinho knows knows how. Yeah,
1: it is. It's certainly an interesting point. I think the the last Chelsea team he won the title with um, were probably more proactive than this team, and maybe I'm kind of letting him off here in a way that I didn't mean to. But maybe having Hazard was important in that because I just sort of feel that Hazard is just sort of, he's he's on another level to Premier League players Mm. and having him in the team sort of gives you like a a, a sort of inherent attacking verve kind of.
0: You almost can't not um, play a little bit more practically. Yeah, and
1: certainly they had Fabregas was in like that ridiculous assist season. Mm. He got like 18 assists in the league in that season. It was,
0: yeah, quite striking.
1: But, But then that team crawled, they crawled over the finish line anyway. So he sort of they were, they were quite expansive in the first half of the season, and then Renew just sort of shut them down in the second half of the season and they played far more negatively and they they sort of did crawl over the finish
0: line so the Leicester City model <laughs> yeah um, yeah let's um shall we move on to the uh the Australian triumph yeah <laughs> the playoff final yeah uh, participating uh, we're hardest field and rating. Uh, Reading coast coached by Manchester United and AC Milan and I believe Ajax. Yeah. Legend. Jarp Stam and uh scary looking bald man. <laughs> and uh and Huddersfield coached by uh David Wagner, the dual citizen, is he? American yeah, he's German. Amer- yeah, yeah. His dad's um,
1: American, I think. Uh he's sort of everyone's favourite up and coming Dortmund youth coach. Yeah. And It was not the greatest spectacle. No, it was pretty bad. Which I think is interesting because Huddersfield was probably uh, one of the more entertaining teams during the championship season. And Reading were sort of a possession-oriented team who... So I think sort of... I think Huddersfield came from nowhere in the sense that they were really bad the season before, but Reading also did. And no one expected Reading to do well this season. And I think, to be honest, I think people... were not even sure who their key players were going into the game. Uh, they were playing a three, a three at the back system. So perhaps sort of Starm yep, Storm being a young sort of inventive coach was significant, just as Wagner sort of has been got gets gotten a lot of credit for his sort of press the pressing game, sort of classic Klopp, Tuchel sort of gig and pressing sort of thing has got a lot of credit for. So I think it was interesting in the sense to both have two young foreign coaches who who have had a big impact on their team.
0: The game was played in a very uh, prosaic and direct manner. I remember, sorry to bring it back to Mourinho again, but I remember him whining after on one particular bad result that he... He implored the players not to make first station passes. which Yeah, I've read which, about this, yeah. Which means, uh, literally means the centre-back passing to the central midfielder, essentially. Yeah. And uh, Huddersfield and Reading uh, certainly took that uh, particular uh, train of thought on board because there were no first station passes in no. the game. It was just all lumping long balls. But,
1: yeah, and I, I agree with that. But to be honest, I think... Both of these teams are progressive as far as the championship goes. Yeah. Perhaps they, they both played poorly in the game. Yeah, I so think it wasn't they're... reflective of their general um, style of play. Yeah, I think that's right. And there uh, may be a reason for that. I don't think championship, I don't think uh, playoff finals are traditionally a, a attractive games to watch. Not necessarily. Mis- yeah, because there's, there's so much, much riding around. on it. You, yeah. you know, being the player to make an error uh, in that sort of game would be would be so like individually devastating, maybe even more so than in a, in a cup final. Because the sort of the the opportunity involved in that game is is so great, and of course everyone knows about the financial, you know, everyone it's like the hundred and seventy million mm. pound game or
0: whatever it is mm.
1: that that promotion to the Premier League is
0: worth. Maybe it would have been a different contest if Huddersfield had capitalised on one of their early opportunities. Yeah, that miss. That, I don't know if you saw that miss by uh, actually, Izzy Brown. Yeah, they want another another Chelsea loanee. Yeah, exactly. The tentacles spread far and wide. <laughs> and uh, there was another, there was a header, I think, um, as well. Yeah, from like, central defender hef- Hefe Lump, uh, whatever his name was. Yeah, <laughs> <one>. <laughs> um, yeah I, I've got to admit, I, I really cringed when he stepped up for a penalty when he was in the wars all day and uh, promptly had it saved. But yeah, Huddersfield, um, you know, Aaron, I, I find it amazing that. Aaron Moy could have stood out in that team, considering. I mean, based on that performance, when they just bypass midfield all the time. But yeah. as we said, I suppose that's not reflective of the normal style of play. But Moy, when he got on the ball, I thought was pretty pretty composed, but it didn't have the really the opportunity to to shine like he usually. It was would. quite interesting seeing uh, him look quite slow
1: and sort of a bit soft compared mm. to the sort of rangy sort of units he was playing against because in Australia like you know he's not, not a quick player or anything like that no. but yeah. I never remember him looking so sort of so physically inferior mm. playing in Australia and he does look occasionally like that playing in England he's sort of He's more notable for his ability on the ball, and because he does look quite slow playing it in such fast-paced games. Mm. But nonetheless, he's still he's still absolutely he's crucial. He's probably he was hef, he was Huddersfield's best player like during the season, not necessarily in the in the final, mm. but he was clearly. Uh, and he and he has so many strings to his bow, like with the set piece delivery um, as well, which was a which was a key element of, of the play in the final as well.
0: Yeah, his, his corners, his three kicks were always on the money, pretty much. And they created some of their best opportunities via that. Uh, but, yeah, Huddersfield's uh, going up with the worst goal difference of any promoted team ever, with negative two. Um, do you think they stand much chance in the Premier League next season? I would not be at
1: all willing to write them off, to write... to
0: Yeah, to write yeah. the Terrys off at this point.
1: Yeah, because, like... I... I, I mean, we don't know who they're going to sign at this point. No, course. and that's exactly right. We also don't know maybe 100% that, that Wagner's going to stay, which is an interesting point, just because there's sort of been a few... Uh, perhaps Woody returned to Dortmund. Uh, it's just sort of a I yeah. opening there. After, but anyway, yeah. I, 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 don't think that's, I don't think that's hugely likely. But there are question marks because uh, so a, a number of their key players were loanees, uh, like Moy, like Izzy Brown. Uh, so... I think it's I think it's unlikely they keep Moy. Um and I think that's that's going to be a huge loss but I don't I wouldn't sort of wouldn't be willing to to say I think that they're going to struggle because I sort of have never I haven't subscribed to this view that uh that, that the form in the championship is necessarily hugely important in working out what their form is going to be in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, I mean the statistics do suggest that they're going up automatically or at least winning the championship is uh, a better predictor of success in in the league. Well, so, it's funny because I would have said that I would have said that it wasn't like <laughs> it, it,
1: it, Borough. Certainly, they won the championship and, and and came straight down.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that there's there's plenty of examples to yeah. the contrary. It's hard to to know. I think Newcastle have an excellent chance of staying up with their coach with um, the amount of money they have. If if I mean they do invest, but they've got a pretty strong squad. They're, their strong, their squad was pretty much too strong for the for the championship yeah I mean something. I think
1: they actually didn't dominate it as much as I thought they would. were yeah. going to I think Benitez rotated, rotated a lot perhaps to mm-hmm. the team's detriment a little bit
0: well I mean it's a hectic schedule in all
1: of the, yeah, the yeah. lower leagues you, in you, England you play pretty much Saturday, Tuesday every week
0: and that's perhaps the reason we, uh, why Aaron Moy maybe did look a bit physically inferior yeah, in that he, game he like played 51 games for, he's already played 51 games for that's field. astonishing it doesn't
1: feel like very long ago that he went there does it so mm-hmm. to play 51 games already is huge
0: yeah, I mean, they, there's been word that they have a um, Huddersfield have an eight million pound uh, clause in his loan contract.
1: Yeah, well,
0: if that is true, you would you would think it's likely he would stay. I, mm. I just thought it,
1: I just no, I just said it. I didn't think he would stay. Mm. Um, I mean, I guess the player still has to sanction the move. Um, wages could be could be a factor there though, because Huddersfield wouldn't have been paying his wages.
0: I mean, he definitely does have to make a move because I don't think he's going to get any football at City next season if he goes back there. No, Obviously, he's easily on loan, but any kind of mid-table Premier League team, I think he'd do well at Bournemouth. I think he'd do well at Swansea. Yeah, I think both the promoted clubs, uh,
1: the other promoted clubs, Newcastle and Brighton, have sort of expressed interest. It'd be
0: better if he, if he was on a side that wasn't so, um, wasn't likely to get relegated next season, um, just for Australian football's sake, I suppose. But uh, I can—he's probably Australia's best export that we've had in quite a long while. It's been ages since an Australian has really succeeded in the Premier League. I mean, maybe maybe not since Tim Cahill.
1: Yeah, I think, had... that's, I think that's fair. I guess Brad... When I, was, when I was trying to think of who was actually
0: there. I guess Brad Smith. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it, uh, is it Bournemouth, isn't he? He didn't get a lot of football. He didn't get a lot of football. We've had players he... in squads, like Brett Holman was at Aston Villa for a little while. I, he, uh, play, he barely played. Yeah. Um,
1: Burnley actually have an Australian guy. I think his name's Aidan O'Neill. And mm. I think he was he he played he sort of came off the bench in an early season game, but I think he was loaned out for the second half of the season. Yeah,
0: so I think it's fair to say Aaron always the best best chance of any Australian. I mean, Miller Yedinak, yeah, I guess would be the last yeah, one. Yeah, of course. So yeah, would be the last one. He was captain at, at Palace for a little while. They're down with Aston Villa in the championship now. But... Yeah,
1: that's right. And Federici is also at, is at Bournemouth as well. But yeah, he's sort of been a perennial
0: number two. Yeah, I wouldn't say Federici was one of our better experts. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't. Company. I wouldn't I wouldn't think so.
1: One thing I found interesting about this game that maybe no one else would have found interesting is that <laughs> Yupstam is one of those managers, and there seems to be a few of them. They wear so he wears like a suit, like he wears suit pants and with like a tucked-in shirt, and I'm pretty sure he was wearing a tie. But then he wears like some like some form of like black sneakers. Like Yeezys or what? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, but it, it's a strange look. But it's it's a weird, like it's like a weird thing. It's like a manager look. <laughs> um, there's other Luis Enrique? Enrique. Oh yeah, does it as well? Let's it's this it weird. It's this weird thing. Maybe it's like a kind of continental Europe thing.
0: Maybe he's got an endorsement deal with the with the shoe maker manufacturer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's just like, what are you trying to do here? Like, are you trying to look like? Like the, the suit manager, like a sophisticated look, but then sort of show that you're a bit sort of funky by wearing sneakers as well.
0: Oh, you got to have the appropriate footwear from running up and down the touchline yelling at the
1: fourth official. That's true. And David Wagner, he was wearing a suit, which I think it was might have been like the first time he'd worn a suit all season. I'm pretty sure I'd seen him in tracksuit before. And he was wearing, he had like three buttons undone It's like you could see like his whole chest basically just trying to intimidate the opposition yeah. so yeah. anyway there's my wrap of the uh, fashions on the field for championship managers
0: yeah i think it's good to have at least a, an item of sensible clothing you saw zidane earlier in the season ripping his suit pants open with his gesticulations on the uh, side okay. line. that's
1: what you would have expected from andre villas boas yeah because <laughs> he just loved to squat on the sidelines and with the really tight fitting, like, yeah, yeah, tailored look. But the best story in that sort of regard is uh, Marcelo Bielsa. Oh, good. Who, <laughs> I
0: love uh, any story that begins with Marcelo when Bielsa. When he was at,
1: when he was at, so he has like a, his kind of thing is that he sits on an esky, <laughs> like on the sidelines, like he, he sort of pulls it up and sits on it.
0: Like, crack a few cold ones during the yeah, game. Or... Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit of. He's Argentinian, isn't he? Bit of, yeah. Like, bit of mate, maybe. <laughs> well, that probably wouldn't be in an esky, would it? Because it's hot. <laughs> uh, so, and so, he would sit on an esky and, uh, like, he had, like, a cup of tea or something. And someone had put it on the esky. I think it was his cup of tea. And Bielsa was, like, on the touchline, like, wasn't sitting on the esky. <laughs> and he came back and he didn't look. And he sat, like, directly on
0: the cup of tea. And it was just, like, a polystyrene cup as well. Oh, dear. So... <laughs> And then he, uh, I assume, he terminated his contract with that club. You know, yeah, I, mean, I think that was virtually it. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't meet his expectations. <laughs> Three weeks into the contract. Yeah. In a similar vein, I guess he had one of his disciples, uh, Jorge Sampaoli, has just taken over with Argentina. Yeah, I'm not actually sure if that's been confirmed yet.
1: Because it's I think going to be. Well, I think uh, I think Pauli was like expecting them, Argentina. Their- Argentinian FA or whoever they are, to meet his um, salary at Sevilla. And apparently they offered like half what he was getting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So it's all kind of reached an awkward standstill. You assume that a uh, consensus will be reached in time for uh, that glamour-friendly at the MCG with Brazil bringing almost none of their first-team players. Is that not tonight? Is it? I think it is. Oh, oh, I haven't been been paying attention. No, it can't be. Yeah, because Messi was in the squad, so...
1: Yeah, it can't be.
0: I guess Barcelona finished.
1: But I sort of have a—I don't feel guilty about not knowing anything about this because I have a personal no friendly, no more friendly policy. I don't pay money to watch friendlies anymore. Mm. I have in the past, and I think you reach a stage where you realise that if you're not like an eight-year-old, it's not worth it.
0: Well, I mean. and you know it's not worth going with such quality coverage on ABC too. <laughs> Did you see that? The, yeah, uh, I, saw that. I don't know. How, how do we feel about if
1: our role in the in the football media? How do we feel? <laughs> Can we chastise some of our um, colleagues, <laughs> but associates? Or I,
0: probably... I have a lot of sympathy for them. Actually, I read. Um, so thing Sch- about Sch- yeah, Sheila. I read. I read his post. Um, he put something up.
1: Yeah, I read it as
0: well. Yeah. Apparently, they it was so loud because they hadn't rehearsed with the uh, stadium announcers and the yeah. music on, and the DJ was pumping it so loud that he they couldn't the presenters just couldn't hear each other, and there was, obviously there was a lot of stick uh, aimed at the, um, the use of the whiteboard with the sort of cutout heads yeah, on, but they yeah. didn't have the licenses to any sort of graphics packages or highlights. Or anything so they yeah. couldn't throw to stuff like in the way that yeah. you know sbs would usually so do. i don't i am certainly
1: sympathetic for all of that but what i what sort of slightly annoys me is that it, it seems to me people were working on this broadcast who aren't passionate football people mm-hmm. or intro or football media people I mean Jules Schiller perhaps is. Yeah. Apparently he, he claims to be a serious football fan. Well he pre- he presents the B League Yeah. I haven't yeah. I'm, I'm not actually across that. Yeah. But um by by so, all accounts he's yeah, by all accounts no, he's true. sort of a he's, he's a sort of reasonable football person and he's definitely a sports media person. Mm. But I I think the others were sort of a combination of they were effectively comedians. Um and, the guy
0: he was the son of a Sakaro.
1: Yes, really. Dean. So yeah. perhaps he was, but the, 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 woman, I can't remember her name, uh, sort of apparently not a football fan and they were making jokes about how she was an AFL fan right. on the broadcast. And then the halftime reporter was, his, <laughs> Aaron, was Chen. Yeah, Aaron Chen. So obviously that was sort of the, genius. yeah, obviously that sort of got the most attention. And, like, whatever it's fine, like, to kind of have like, a light take on uh, on a friendly, I think that's fine. I mean, the like, game it was an important a joke. game. The game was a joke. The they game had, was a joke. They had like the Steve, McManaman, joke. Steve McManaman played, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what, what I would say about Andrew Chen is that he didn't even try to make it look like he cared <laughs> about the sort of the game. And, like, not, like, that's all right in a certain setting. But he was effectively taking the piss out of the people who do care. <laughs> and I think in doing that, he kind of. Like, I sort of think it's funny because I'm not like this sort of crazed Euro snob, <laughs> as it were. I think that's a term that's been used on this program before. It's been a
0: title on one of the episodes. Yeah, uh,
1: like, you know, I don't necessarily think it's great that we have this culture where big clubs come down here to make a bit of money to kind mm. of capitalize on all these people who have this associ- apparent strong association with, um, with European clubs and they pay their money for tickets and apparel and stuff like that. But I don't think that gives Andrew
0: Chen the right to sort of really, to sort of take the piss. Uh, it's Aaron Chen, I so. believe. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> but you're dealing with him with the same amount of respect that he gave the occasion. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, I'm just glad these European clubs aren't playing friendlies against the Socceroos anymore, as yeah, was the no, case back right. in the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sydney were missing some of their best players. All of their visa players, none of them were there. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: I actually, I didn't see any of it live, but I wanted to watch a little bit. I just wanted to see what it looked like with Steve McManaman playing. Like, it was just so weird to think of like this guy. He's not just, it's not just like Gerard or Carragher who've retired
0: in the last few seasons. He's 45. <laughs> I mean, I think the game was being played at walking. It was basically walking football at that yeah, point. Yeah. Um, yeah, look. I think... <laughs> Aaron Chen, I mean, he may have done a, a, a genius move for his career here, just because he's become this sort of viral media yeah, sensation. I it's
1: interesting. Well,
0: I th- went back and watched a little bit of stuff of his on YouTube, and it's very much in that kind sort of embarrassing industry. Of... as professionally awkward. Yes. Yeah. That's the one. I mean, Jules Stiller in his post made, made the point that ABC2 had only acquired the rights maybe three days before the yeah, game, okay. and it was yeah. very underprepared. And also, ABC2, you know, it's a government channel that's supposed to be a bit of a kind of off-broadway sort of yeah, network yeah. for younger presenters and to sort of start their stuff, and it was never meant to to have this kind of focus on it, um, yeah, necessarily. But I think the main problem is that Australian football fans, myself included, are extremely the, insecure, the
1: defensive. Yeah, the defense sort of being hyper-defensive mm. at any, uh, yeah,
0: and with reason. I mean the the media tax level of football are uh, just incredible sometimes I mean I saw something on Twitter the other day it was ten eyewitness news about the Manchester bombing um, describing so the culprit it's a soccer fan and I'm yeah, like how's it's like, that, how that. How how,
1: the relevance of that is yeah. so, it's so in right. the headline it's, it's remarkable isn't
0: it um, so there is I mean amongst the kind of old guard traditional media there is an anti soccer bias anti football bias that is I mean bordering on racist yeah
1: yeah no it is but uh... I have had a problem with football broadcasting in Australia generally. I never, when I watch football on SBS, uh, I don't watch, I don't have Foxtel, so I don't watch Fox Sports. Mm -hmm. But I will admit that their coverage is sort of is not bad, and their A League coverage is okay. Uh, But on SBS, I almost never listen to (laughs) halftime shows or 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 pregame shows because I find the level of analysis. Really simplistic mm. and basic, which is actually interesting because Les Murray wrote something after in the aftermath of this ABC Two scandal thing that they that SBS had had been criticised for being too uh, too academic and too intelligent, like <laughs> and, you know aiming at a high bar, which I, <laughs> which I was sort of bemused by. Uh, it, in Australia, like, there's certainly cultural issues in football broadcasting with basically employing ex-players. I mean, that's the case everywhere. It is, but it's it's sort of this being a little bit of a cultural change, I think. Uh, so, certainly shows like the European Football Show, which is uh, which is on BT Sports. Hasn't that just been cancelled? It has just been cancelled <laughs> to, to great outrage. And the reason why it probably has been cancelled is because it was a show made up of
0: football thinkers. Yeah. Not of ex-players. I mean, I've always yeah. thought that journalists and analysts give a more interesting insight than ex footballers in general. I would give an exception to Monday Night Football, which um, is the Sky Sports yeah, game with yeah, Gary Neville yeah, yeah. and, and Jamie Carragher. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, because they've got so many kind of mates in the game and... it's it's sort of trotting out so many tired cliches all the time it is i would i I would also put craig foster outside of that bracket i actually yeah i agree i think he makes interesting insightful points on the games and actually looks at it tactically as well as you know just and not just relying on the on the um tired stereotypes of you know they wanted it more or (laughs)
1: Yeah, foster treats it professionally
0: yeah and I don't feel that maybe the rotating cast of, of ex-pros can, you can't really say the same about them.
1: Yeah. I think Michael Bridges of all people has mm. like, has got like, he's always sort of, he's, he's, he's like a senior figure. He's
0: right? managed to sort of monopolize yeah, the kind I, of co-commentator role. Yeah. The...
1: And I reckon that is probably shows another element of kind of Australia's sort of football inferiority complex is the fact that he's English. Mm. And so people think he has this sort of—he's got the English accent, so he's got this sort it's of in their more authority. Secure, yeah, he's got like a—he's got that extra credence when he comes to when he comes to commentate on a game.
0: I must admit, when I hear an American accent commentating on game, I'm immediately more sceptical, which is probably yeah, not fair. it is, isn't it? It is an
1: interesting issue, and that was certainly an issue that was raised a lot during Bob Bradley's um, reign at at, at uh, Swansea, particularly when he used the term "road game" and, <laughs> and, and, right. and, and PK.
0: Oh, there was actually. um a american journalist who uh, basically tallied up all of the, the 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 terminology he used in his interviews and he very rarely relied yeah. upon the american so he'd obviously he'd made a he'd made a concerted effort not to hadn't he and that's funny
1: considering it like it's funny <laughs> yeah. that it's a, even an issue i've really wanted bob bradley to succeed to kind of show uh to try and sort of open english people's kind of horizons a bit because um, uh, I think they were being particularly narrow-minded that they, they found it so humorous that an American was managing a a, a British club.
0: England, narrow-minded? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rejecting <laughs> foreign influence? <laughs> never, <laughs> never. <laughs> All right. Shall we um, move on to uh, more pressing footballing matters? Yeah. Um uh, I think... Are we going to do our team of the season? Yeah, I think All we right. should. Guy and I have, have selected competing Euro 11s. Um, it would be a little bit hard if, we, uh, if,
1: if they were going to play against each other. Not only because I imagine these guys probably are going to go on holiday, <laughs> but also because we, have, we tried to not uh, include the same players, but there were some exceptions to that rule who were just
0: such obvious obvious selections necessary but... selections all right i'll go first shall i've got a four-two-three-one. 2 3, 1. uh Gigi buffon in goals trying to make it third time lucky in the champions league this weekend danny Alves at right back pk and bonucci uh center back marcelo at left back kante and uh tiago from Bayern munich in the uh two deep uh, lying midfield slots. Ronaldo on the left, Dybala in the number 10 role, Messi on the right, and Kylian Mbappe is up front. Um, mm. Do you want to read out yours as well? Or yeah. We... yeah.
1: So, my, I'm um, playing in a similar formation. Jan Oblak in goals, Danny Carvajal at right back, David Luiz and Leonardo Benucci, central defence, Marcello left back, Kante and Fabinho in central midfield with three attacking sort of midfielders of... Hazard, Bernardo Silva, and Messi behind Harry Kane. He's one of our own Harry Kane. He is. Well, I'm I'm uh, I I don't think he would have been in too many uh european best 11s Hmm. uh and i think that's uh that's probably because people think he's a bit silly because he has a (laughs) bit of a lisp and and he used to be rubbish (laughs) he went on about
0: eight loans but But he's he's, i think he's he's honestly i think he's probably the best striker in europe and he managed to to pinch the golden boot with a couple of fairly meaningless hat tricks -tricks, but that's what you want from your striker (laughs) i mean it doesn't matter what game it is you want them to be always yeah i just thought mbappe was such a revelation this season just so explosive and coming to the stage so quickly. He is, um, he is absurdly promising. Yeah, and he's got so many strings to his bow in terms of not just the finishing ability, but the creative ability in terms of running at players yeah. and providing assists. He sort of f- feels maybe more like a wide player, but I think he's, he's such a good finisher. I think I he think. used to play on the left-hand side yeah, and he's yeah. been brought in um, as a striker by their coach. Uh, his name is Temporello. This game, yeah, Jardim. Jard- yes, uh, yeah. um, uh, Jardim. Uh, and yeah it's to great effect in that front too with uh, Falcao. I don't know how he'd play on his own up front but uh, with this kind of service behind him I don't think it would be He's probably more of like a on the shoulder type mm. player some of
1: his sort of some of his runs in behind mm. and some of his finishing it's it's sort of it, it almost looks too easy for him. I think he, I think he's going to be a ridiculously good player.
0: And my <laughs> theoretical 11 that I've selected, Ronaldo could sort of come up alongside him or well, they could interchange positions with Marcelo covering the whole left flank. Uh, Marcelo was a... Well, let's go through the unanimous selection. So yeah, Marcelo, yeah. Bonucci, Kante and Messi, I think yeah. are pretty yeah. unavoidable. So Marcelo. I think, I think
1: Marcelo was Madrid's
0: best player yeah. this season. I mean,
1: and in the Champions League in key games, he was superb. Uh I think he's probably another player who's sort of slightly been underrated for I don't know, I think people seem to have maybe opinion he can't defend or something like that. Mm. But I he's been clearly the best left back.
0: In the world, really. Yeah, I think I, mean, I think easily, yeah. Just like Alves um his Brazilian counterpart that we'll be playing against uh this weekend. He, he's just as likely to make a sort of diagonal run to the top of the box as he is to to overlap on the left hand side. He's a very versatile player who can also come inside and yeah. He's voice. sort of one of those players who would be like
1: you'd be he you could play central midfield. Yeah, he, he probably has the skill set to play number ten. Mm. Like he's a he's a he's a fantastic player,
0: and he's so important for Madrid to give them width on that left hand side. Now that they've moved Ronaldo to more of an out and out striker role, mm. um, so
1: Benucci was it we we also both selected.
0: Yeah. He, Probably the, the key part of Juventus's yeah. um just about an unbeatable back line. Um the best defensive record in the Champions League. He's just uh one sixth straight uh, scudetto, or Juventus has anyway, I'm not sure if he was part of all of them, but outstanding range of passing from the back. Yeah, as well. I guess
1: that's probably what sets him uh what puts him in this in these in our selections here. As opposed to Killini, mm, sort of, old Killini is more yeah. the old fashioned
0: hard nose. Yeah, he is centre back man marker.
1: His nose is actually quite sort of hard looking. <laughs> I think it's been broken several <laughs> yeah, times. Yeah. maybe he's not hard looking <laughs> at all then. Uh, yeah, but is sort of famous for those diagonal balls, mm. sort of being the pilo of the defence as well as a superb defender.
0: Yeah, his reading of the game is second to none.
1: And the only problem he has is that his son is a Torino fan, <laughs> which is the strangest thing.
0: Yeah, I um, heard about this. Yeah, he, um, during the Scudetto celebrations, <laughs> he, he forced him to wear a Juventus shirt and he's, one of his so, sons so, so was so crying. True. yeah,
1: Because he loves Andrea Belotti.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then he made it up to him in the days yeah. after by um bringing him to meet his hero. Yeah. Uh, his Torino hero. I mean, you know, that's as superficial a reason as anything for supporting a club and I think Many of us are in the same boat, having chosen the club that we support. when We're very <laughs> yeah. Um...
1: But if this kid, his dad is literally a superstar <laughs> for, for the club, and he's decided not to support them, I have to, I have to support this kid. I think that's
0: that incredible. Balls. Uh, yeah, balls. Wonder if if he plays for Juventus one day, will he like cry <laughs> during the Turin derby? Or... <laughs> And uh what was that other so Kante. Kante, I mean you know two straight Premier league's been the difference, just amazing in terms of the amount of interceptions and tackles he racks up, and he's developed a little bit as an attacking player yeah yeah well. yeah,
1: I think he's a unique player. I mm. don't think anyone does what he does mm. as well as as well as he does i mm. think he, I think he's remarkable he's also a very popular figure as well I think he's hard he's yeah. hard to dislike
0: yeah, I mean, you know who wouldn't want Kante in their team? he just <laughs> solves so many problems for you. Yeah, I think he could play for any team. I think, uh, I
1: mean, it was this interesting question, whether would he be, would he be valuable at Barcelona? Is that the sort of, the sort of one team maybe who, who almost never have like a, a, a defensively
0: minded sort of midfielder? Mm, I mean, I could see him, I mean, playing maybe on the right side of the three and covering Messi defensively.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting idea.
0: I mean, because they have Busquets, who is a different kind yeah, of holding yeah, player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean maybe it reduces the need for him. And Barcelona have the ball so much that they don't necessarily need to win it back that yeah. much. <laughs> but I, I think he could be useful in, in certain games for Barcelona.
1: And yeah. I think he's a good enough pass and move footballer to um to, to even to play in that team.
0: Yeah. And, uh, of course, Messi, I mean, just what another casual 50 goals this, this season. Best player
1: in Europe, well, best player in the world by an absolute mile.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't argue against that. I was just watching some of the, uh, the Copa del Rey final. Yeah, uh, he was before. incredible in that game, wasn't and he? And, he, you know, just but, the astonishing regularity, which he scores that goal from the top of the box, yeah, just with it instead. I love that goal so much, in part
1: because... Um, so I think he, so he sort of, he dribbles on, takes the ball to his left and plays the ball into Neymar. Mm. And there's no space. Like, there should never be any, there's never going to be any space. Uh... If you think about like how many defenders are going to be used to crowd out these guys, and the, and obviously Messi's being marked after he plays the ball into Neymar, but there's somehow space for Neymar to play the ball back to him, and Messi like short back lift, yeah. curls it in. I, I love how they can they do this in such small spaces.
0: Yeah, I mean, just the tightest tightest confines, and then yeah. with the assist for Paco Alcacer's goal, yes, yeah, taking four well, players yeah. out of the. Out of the it, play and then slipping a it, slightly yeah. past through to it, That run reminded me of the fantastic
1: goal he scored against Bill in in one of the recent Copa del Rey finals. Yes,
0: it's mm. um, very similar. Mm. I mean, this time he was the uh, provider mm. rather yeah. than the scorer, but he's just able to. Mm. It, it seems like players just converge on him, and he's able to create space where no other player can. So you know, best player in the world doesn't really matter to me that Barcelona weren't as successful as they'd hoped this season. But
1: no, yeah, I like it. certainly it was a shame. I thought for his legacy that that uh, that he didn't do well in the Champions League this season and Juventus certainly they didn't score against Juventus in, mm. in either leg, which probably just showed you the quality of, of Juve's defending. Mm. Um but uh, you know, whoever Barcelona signed to play in that front three alongside him alongside him, he's always he's the key man in, in goals and assists and, and creating so much of the play
0: yeah so Messi, impossible to leave out. Uh, you have left out Ronaldo though.: <laughs> Yeah, I have left out Ronaldo because Just, I, don't, I don't think he,
1: I don't think he was a consistent performer this season as an all-round player. I okay, he's an incredibly decisive goal scorer in the Champions League, and he, he certainly hit 20, or mm. however many he hit in, in Spain, maybe a few more. but uh, I think there's more I think there's, there's increasing questions about his role as, as a footballer.
0: an all-round contributor yeah i mean i can agree with that but just i don't think you can argue with the goal scoring it's astonishing you you can't argue with the goal scoring but then but then if you just think about the goal scoring
1: why don't we just you know pick the 11 highest scoring
0: players (laughs) this is true this is true i actually think this has been one of his best seasons in terms of the way that madrid have uh, and zidane have managed him i mean he's rested a lot more and i think he's in peak physical condition coming into the champions league final which he hasn't been in previous years i would agree that maybe he's his contribution has been a little overrated in...
1: Yeah, well, I just... I, like, I, I totally understand. And, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to get anywhere like saying he's not a fantastic football because clearly he is and he's going to be one of the, the best of, of all time. But we just do this thing... Every, we, we always do this thing where we think Ronaldo is playing a poor game and then he scores two goals. And, mm. you know, we sort of increase his, his status as a legend. Mm. And that's fine. He's a legendary goal scorer. And, you know, he's going to be... He's, gonna, he's a hugely decorated player. But... I know we don't want to do this comparison of him and Messi, but one of the reasons I don't want to do it is because they're such different players Mm. and and Messi has so many more elements to his game.
0: I mean, you brought it up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I feel guilty about bringing it up. But at the same time, it does annoy annoy me a little bit. That's like, you know, why do we want to compare these two guys because they're so fantastic? But, but I'm like if you actually do compare them, yeah, there's probably one sort of similar. Oh, well, actually, Messi's won far more in his career. If we do compare them and we compare their attributes, for me, it's just sort of it's just not even close.
0: I mean, I can't disagree. <laughs> but I think this season, um, it almost doesn't matter if he has a poor game and scores two goals because those two goals win the game all the time. Yeah. yeah. So uh, and Madrid have he's carried Madrid to the Champions League final. That way, I think Madrid have probably been a better all-round team this season. They have they been, have been in, better, they have been a much better all-round team in, in their part, previous years, and partly that's because the, um, the the BBC front line has played together less. Mm, I would so agree
1: that they're they almost clearly better uh, without the, without those three players in the team,
0: and with Isco, who I who I've crossed out here and put De instead. Yeah. He could have easily well, been in there.
1: I think. I think
0: Dybala is a good choice over Isco
1: because Dybala was actually was, was a, a first-team regular throughout the entire season. Mm. Rather than I don't think Isco actually was. Mm. But, you know, if Isco had have played the whole season, I think he probably would rightfully be in there. I think when they play the the BBC front three, it's almost like they've got two separate teams. There's sort of the defence and the midfield and then there's the front yeah. three. And they're, they're all doing their, they're doing such individualistic things. Um, and they can still get away with it. They can, but I think it sort of, it, you know, it certainly decreases the overall sort of fluidity of the team.
0: And with their attacking fullbacks that Madrid have, I think the, the sort of diamond formation works really well. Um, and I mean, maybe the answer going forward is if they have to fit, the, uh, fit them all in, is, is to, to play Bale instead of Benzema in, in future. I'm not saying for the Champions League final, but yeah. I mean, if Bale could adapt um, to that role, I mean, with a bit of freedom to roam around. I, that that could be an answer to to fitting him in there with Isco. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's actually a bit of probably an unpopular view on my behalf. I would quite like Bale to go back to being a left winger. Mm, okay. Like less of a, like when he was less of a goalscorer. Remember when he was playing for Spurs and he was just giving Mike on nightmares. Yes. Well, that means he obviously was a goalscorer because he got a hat trick. I um, think <laughs> <laughs> he got a hat trick at San Siro. But uh, I. I think there would be genuine merit in giving him a simpler role, and just being a beast down the line. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's sort of overcomplicated by playing mm-hmm. on the opposite side or playing through the middle. I don't think. Uh, I think he's. I think he's. I think he's winger.
0: Yeah, I mean, Zidane has occasionally brought out sort of four four one one mm-hmm. with Isco in the number ten and Bale just playing a straight up left wing role. Yeah. But with the, the left-backs that Madrid ha- now have with Marcelo and also um, Teo Hernandez coming in yeah, next right. season yeah. from Alaves, he scored yeah. an absolute ripper, yeah, yeah, ripper, yeah. Goal, ripper goal in the uh, Copa del Rey final. Uh, maybe there's no need for it. There probably isn't. But as a sort of a different option in terms of the way they rotate the squad, that could be an yeah, answer well, to give them more game time. This sort of inverse wingers
1: are so is so common now, so pervasive. Mm. It's players who cut inside all the time. And Bale, I think, has the tendency to cut inside and shoot so often. And I, I just would really like to see, maybe a, it's just, maybe just purely for the sake of interest, I would love to see him just play down the line mm. and just go at full backs.
0: I mean, sometimes when you do, when you take another, te- like when you play differently to the, the prevailing trend, yeah, yeah. it has more like, gains yeah. that way yeah. in terms of, I, don't, I didn't explain that well at all. But <laughs> when, you, when you sort of zig when everyone else is zag, Yeah, no, no,
1: I think mean, that's exactly right. But I, I guess we'd probably move on to the Champions League final uh, at this point, given we've discussing
0: Yeah, I mean we've almost previewed it through our, our selections. Um the big question for for Madrid is as we said, whether where the Bale is picked and in you know, in his home city, Cardiff. Uh, I can see him true, playing mm-hmm. a role um off the bench. But I think the right decision for Zidane I suspect you agree is to go with what's worked with his co.
1: Yeah, I think that's what's gonna happen. I yeah. think yeah, apparently even Bale is sort of has even said that that is the right course of action. Mm. Uh, I hope for him that he that he can that he can play a part in in, in the game.
0: I mean, he's had such terrible recurring injury problems this mm. this season, and that's really hampered him. And that may in turn um, condition how Juventus approached the game. Playing, their there'd big question is whether they play the their own BBC, um, with yeah, Buzali. Well,
1: Well Buzali, He played in the. The Monaco games to me, which was sort of something of a surprise mm-hmm. because he had sort of been phased out. He's the oldest of the three. I get the feeling
0: that he will play. I think if they start that way, they can. Yeah. Easily switch if they go behind, yeah, and that means the only player they really have to sacrifice is Quadrado. and yeah. that's the player in their sort of four-two-three-one that yeah. they like the least. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and doesn't that that allows Dani Alves? Well, so my feeling is that so Danny Alves plays the right wing back role. Mm. Alexander plays the left wing back role. Danny Alves has obviously been uh, like I was gonna I was gonna say about your selection of Alves that I feel is. He's been miraculous in the Champions League in the last yeah. stages. I don't think he's been a hugely consistent performer. No,
0: he hasn't always actually been in the team. No, um, he hasn't. But that's because
1: they are very flexible. Yeah, they've um, had Steiner in
0: there. Yeah, had... but he'll—I think he'll definitely play.
1: I think he'll play yeah. as the right wing back. I
0: mean, he's hit form at the right yeah. time. And
1: my feeling is that they're sort of—it's not like it's not like a free role. But if he's got Barzagli behind him, he can focus on attacking so mm. much more, and that's what he's been doing well. Yeah, like he's yeah. amazing in, yes, against Monaco. Incredible, sort of. Three assists and a goal. It was, it was remarkable. And he links up with Dybala, uh, sort of similar to how uh, to how he linked up with Messi at Barcelona.
0: Yeah, Dybala, Juventus playing that sort of 3-4-2-1. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's it. in vogue. Dybala, Dybala is such a great player to yeah. watch. Dybala is a, a sort of inside right. It is very similar to the way they interacted with yeah. Messi and yeah. Yeah, there's, I think the weak points in the Juventus team will probably be if like if uh, Real Madrid can can get at Barzali and try and draw him out wide like Mbappe did on a few occasions. Yes. Yeah. I think mean, that's a good shout. And also potentially in the centre of midfield because I think Kadir will play. They've he's had some injury problems. Um, so I think Kadir and Pjanic. Uh, I, yes. I'm not sure about defensively that that centre midfield combo. Yeah, well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because that was even the team they played against Barca. Mm. and they
1: didn't concede neither leg.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the system was so well organised that it didn't really expose those flaws. Yeah, Khadira
1: is, is a sensational athlete. Mm. Uh, he's a remarkable runner.
0: And that will be really important. Um, it, yeah, it will. And
1: I guess who sort of gets the upper hand? I think you would have to say a, a Madrid midfield of, of Cruz and Modric. They should dominate possession. But but they often don't, Madrid. They sort of, you know, they're, they're not Barcelona In their in possession starts, they don't have
0: one dogmatic approach to no, they don't do they. Yeah, they've been flexible,
1: bit of of chameleon in that sort of sense, and Mm. that's been one of their biggest uh, biggest plus points. But I think with you've got a team which has got the quality in possession of Modric and Cruz and Isco, I think they will dominate possession, and I think they'll largely
0: be on the front foot. Mm. But Juventus have shown that. They can just pick you off on the break and and shut teams out. I mean, Madrid have scored what sixty five straight games, something absurd. So you imagine they will score, but I mean, most people would imagine that Barcelona would have scored. So yeah, I guess one of the kind of
1: uh, key narratives in this game is Higuain um, mm. because he has had such a difficult career in finals.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, two like a World Cup final, a Copa America final, but also. Several big games in the Champions League when he was at Real Madrid. Yeah, um, he was known for for missing some pretty high profile chances. I remember a tie against Lyon where he hit the post when he's already around the keeper. And, you know, and yes. the big big occasions of, have got to um, to Higuain from time to time. I don't know whether we're just judging on a small sample size, but it seems to be a trend over his career. He does seem to be a trend over his career, and it's interesting because he's a fantastic finisher.
1: Yeah, like that, that's his, that's his what his 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 thing is, he's yeah. a superb finisher. So.
0: If he's not finishing, then what <laughs> is he really doing for you? Yeah, well, I actually think he is a good all-round footballer. Yeah, I mean, he can't play all the players Yeah, but It actually annoys
1: me slightly that people make j- jibes about his weight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Like, he's, he's sort of all... barrel-chested sort of guy. He, you know? was, he did not look like that for <laughs> Napoli last season, though. True. Ah, well, actually, I know one of the issues with um, Aurelio De Laurentiis, who's Napoli's chairman, with green was his weight. Uh, yeah. Like I think dealer enters was just like, "Why are you a bit fat?" sort of thing,
0: and he went mean, and was like, "I just don't want to put up with this." Didn't doesn't take much to piss off that guy. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> He's absurd. Uh, one of Seriars. Um, yeah, I don't even know if he'd tap- be in the top five to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is what Zamperini at is ste- stepping it's, aside now. I think.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think the Semperire guy who looks really crazy. I think is is. is Ferrara. Uh, Do you know the the Santorini guy? He he Mm always, like, he has this, like, kind of weird, bushy, curly, grey hair, and, like... (laughs) I can't
0: (laughs) say I'm familiar with it.
1: Yeah, he's, um, he's just, like, one of those guys that you see in the stands, like doing some mental celebration like hugging random kids and stuff (laughs) and then of course there's Berlusconi
0: and um who's now sold the club yeah well he was prime minister so (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean pretty kooky character yeah it is interesting
1: to think Italy is just like there's just all these crazy guys sort of running these clubs like is, are there just more crazy people who, like, get p- positions of power in Italy?
0: <laughs> well, they're all selling them to, like, Chinese investment groups. It's, just, it's sad, isn't uh, it? Yeah. I mean, I don't have anything necessarily against the, those firms that are coming in, but it seems to be depriving football of one of the delights yeah. of... Yeah, so you go up. yeah,
1: you go from, like, a Berlusconi-type character to uh, a Chinese supermarket chain, yeah, which is what <laughs> Suning is, although that's Inter and not, not AC Milan. Uh, I can yeah. tell you what. Uh, mm-hmm. who's
0: bought AC, but um, did yeah. you see Trent Sainsbury finally made his interday? Yeah, someone told me? me
1: about that, um, but I sort of didn't really catch much of the details. But they won comfortably, didn't they?
0: They were 5-0 up. He came on, got a yellow card, and they conceded two right? goals. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I didn't realise it was such a disaster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I didn't see the game, so I'm not sure if he was responsible for the two goals conceded, but it doesn't, it's not a great. Yeah. Look, and I don't think he'll be playing next. It, it and... is an
1: interesting part of modern football how... There are clubs that have sort of partnerships with other clubs, and that's a reason for players moving to those clubs. Mm. So that, like, explains all the random guys that play for Watford.
0: Well, I think (laughs) most of it – I think this stuff goes on all the time, Um, not just with the ownership structure, but with just people knowing agents.
1: Yeah, but then you've also got, like, the City Football Group. So you've Mm. got – that's why Aaron Moy plays for Man City and uh, Adrian Caceres. It's also the books.
0: Luke Bratton. Yeah, um... Bratton, of course. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I, I kind of I kind of like that this weird aspect, and so you get Trent Sainsbury playing for Inter <laughs> that I just feel like would never happen otherwise. Well,
0: Andrea Rinocchia goes and relegates Hull. <laughs> oh, poor Andrea Rinocchia. Did you see his uh, miss kick? I did see his miss kick in the Crystal Palace game that condemned them to uh, to their fate. I think it was really the the loss to to Sunderland that. Sent him down, but Marco Silva is the new uh, Watford boss. Yeah, well, I kind of
1: felt like that. I, f- I thought that that was that that was the lowest of his three priorities. Yeah, yeah his three sort of top three being uh, Southampton number one, Porto number two, and Watford number three. Mm. Southampton haven't sacked well at oh, uh, this point.
0: I mean, all signs yeah. point to him going, but apparently yeah. it's not been made official just yet. There may have been
1: some miscommunication in one of in their in their. Meeting with well, perhaps they couldn't understand it because he speaks so softly. <laughs> I don't if you've ever seen an interview, where he just like just speaks at a virtually inaudible level.
0: That's one way to deal with a post match interview yeah, that yeah. you, don't, you don't want to do. Uh, yeah. Maybe Mourinho should think about that. <laughs>
1: yeah, so Southampton didn't work for him. Porto, I think they didn't sort of. Uh, they said they weren't going to have money to spend and he was sort of not interested. And then so he's, in, so he's wound up at Watford.
0: I think he's a brilliant coach. I mean, I've said so before on the pod. Yeah,
1: you know but, who he looks... <laughs> Something... He just looks so much like um, like that Irish actor, Colin Farrell. Oh,
0: yeah, he does too. <laughs> and he kind of dresses like Colin Farrell in the movie in Bruges as well. <laughs> um, well, Watford previously had that guy who looks like Hugh Laurie... Uh, the Spanish dude, Kike Sanchez oh, Flores. God, he's a good-looking person. <laughs> so they're just yeah. working their way through. Uh... I
1: once saw a fantastic tweet that was like, uh, "Kike Sanchez Flores, who looks like an artisan butcher in a Wes
0: Anderson film." <laughs> 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 oh, that's fantastic! But, um, managers don't tend to stick around at Watford for very long, so you wonder how it's going to turn out. Yeah, it's out. interesting
1: though, isn't it? Because like a lot of clubs are kind of who have slightly unusual foreign ownership in England. Like the, things have gone badly. Mm. Like there's clubs, or uh, well, certainly Portsmouth are probably like the the biggest example of that. Yeah. And then there's uh, the clubs like Coventry who have had um kind of issues that are well known about their owners, sort of mismanaging the clubs and not really like
0: Charlton. The, yeah. Even um
1: the uh, Blackburn Rovers certainly mm. with the venkies, sort of sort of foreign owners who have not have failed to really be loyal and uh to the integrity of the fans and the clubs. Uh, and have used them as their own sort of personal play things.
0: I mean Late Noring is the most blatant example yeah, of that. Yeah. Yeah. And but
1: Watford, uh, the Pozzo family, they sort of they they seem to know really what they're doing, even though they do it in a slightly unusual way. Mm. Like with this constant stacking of managers who who do well for them. Constant loan mm-hmm. signings as well. Yeah. And they they have these kind of weird squads made up of all sorts of players from like forty nationalities and, and mm. stuff like this, but like they 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 survive. They have in the last two seasons. Yeah. I mean, um, they went smack bang on forty points and then on the beach. But um... yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but I think you, you kind of have to you kind of have to trust them. And but I think and I think Silver is, is a fantastic appointment.
0: I mean, I, yeah. I can't argue with it. I I think he he would do well there for at least one season before he gets the sack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think well, I guess the problem was that like there was absolutely no improvement from. Uh,
1: such as Flores to Mazzari. Yeah. So, if he can improve, I, I reckon, I think he'll, he'll be in good stead to, to keep his job for more than one season.
0: I mean, the mid-table of the Premier League is wide open with, you know, it's really just the top six and then Everton and then a load of... It more. was, wasn't it? Well, that, uh,
1: that was really
0: noticeable, but I, I don't think that will be the case
1: again next season. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I know financially it probably is... That's how it should be, shouldn't it? Because mm. the, the, the top six... Is so obvious in terms of being like dominant financially, and then Everton is sort of in the next group. Yeah, but I, I don't think that it, I don't think that you know things are always going to be uh, going to be directed primarily by finances, and, and the rich teams will do well, and the the lesser teams will do less well. But I think you'll see teams like Sun like Southampton. Um, again really really pushing Everton and, yeah. and being and, and, and pushing and I think possibly even Leicester and uh, I think other clubs would be disappointed I think even good teams like Crystal Palace there's strong squads there mm. I, I don't think it's going to be like this sort of top
0: seven bottom 13 forever I mean you hope so because the Premier League I think Newcastle kind of, as well would probably stake a claim to I mean in terms of fan base um, you know, they have their own questions over ownership but yeah, true. Um, they should be doing better well, here's a good example of
1: uh, definitely not suggesting that it's only foreign owners. <laughs> yeah, <sort of.
0: laughs> yeah, it doesn't. it's not a prerequisite for uh, incompetence. In no, not at all. Yeah, I mean, we were talking sort of about next season. Um, there's been some major transfer activity on, on Manchester City's part. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess they're probably the, almost the only club who have really done significant stuff yeah. so far. They're certainly um, looking to, to do their business early, which I think is smart. I mean, they've yeah. let go of a lot of their, their kind of dead wood. To the Cliche and um Zabaleth has gone to West Ham. Yeah, I was surprised to see that I think Liverpool have offered uh, Clichy a deal. Oh, have they? Yeah. Uh, sure. I mean I, I know they don't have great options at left back, but surely they can He's just moving further north in <laughs> <down> England. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think Liverpool should be aiming a little higher than yeah, I would have thought so. the cast offs from... I,
1: I I would I was very surprised by that. I think he really hasn't shown much at, at, at City
0: and um there's, so there's signed Bernardo Silva for what 60 million pounds or something yeah um lots. <laughs> huge huge um, acquisition i think he will do really well for them uh from monaco and ederson has uh come in to solve the goalkeeping question which probably means joe hart is on his way yeah you'd think so wouldn't
1: you and uh and certainly his um time at torino was probably relatively eventful, but probably not hugely successful. Mm. Maybe culturally it was (laughs) (laughs) for Joe. (laughs) Picked up a little Italian in the press conference. Yeah, but so
0: I think you expect him to wind up at Everton or West Ham next season, Mm. in my view. And um, they've made an offer for Van Dyke that looks like it's going to be successful yeah, as well. Yeah, well, I mean, if they could... Uh, definitely, they need
1: fullbacks. backs um, mm. So, I think Kyle Walker is, is a big candidate there.
0: He looks like he's leaving Spurs after he fell out with the manager. That, that all happened rather suddenly. Didn't it, didn't it? It was at such a high point for Spurs as well. All of a yeah. sudden, there was just like this simmering sort of unhappiness. I guess it shows that what's going on on the field is not necessarily what, reflective of what's going on off the field. But they're, they're looking at Mendy as well from Monaco. So, I think there'll be no excuses for, for Guardiola next season he'll have the squad he yeah, wants. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right and they're willing to um spend huge amounts of money to to make it happen because he's the coach that they wanted for years and years and they've got him now and I don't think this one underwhelming season that he's had um, yeah, yeah despite the great start you know they're, they're not going to lose faith in him yet but
1: and, and I'm partially convinced by the view that it's only that it's that it's that it is largely a personnel issue mm. I think I think the football he was trying to play uh, this season with City was just was not going to happen with with the with the squad that he had and
0: particularly the defence that he had. Mm. And I, I mean, think... Bravo was a disaster and Otamendi I'm not super convinced by. He no, no, makes too many mistakes. How they ended up
1: with that group of fullbacks it just astounds me. Sanya Zabaleta, Kolorov and Clichy. You couldn't get mm. four more sort of six out of ten, it's like bog average. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, uh, you know, Sanya and Clichy were good in yeah, their day, they, they but they were, were good players. Over the hill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, before we go, can I push you for a uh, Champions League final prediction? Uh, yes, I will go uh, Real Madrid 3-2. Ooh, exciting game. Three goals against the Juve back line? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I'm going to predict uh, Gigi Buffon is going to uh, finally win that elusive Champions League trophy. I think it'll be 2-1 Juventus uh we'll find out this weekend all right thanks so much for joining us on the squad balls podcast thanks for having me yeah cheers guy see you next time